1: Well, let's jump right into it. It is the Montana football hour right now. It is presented by Lithia Ford of Missoula and Coulter. Welcome in. You've been over in Bozeman for the weekend, took in a uh, barn burner in Bobcat stadium on Saturday as Montana state, uh, housed, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, Southern Utah Thunderbirds 42 to seven. You just got back in right now. So first of all, hi, man. Hello. Nice to see you. Uh, been, you know, missing out on some Coulter all weekend, all day. Uh, but let's start Coulter with the game that was certainly more interesting from a you know from a little bit of a back and forth standpoint at, at least between the Grizzlies and Portland State Montana wins 38-23 they outscore Portland State 24 to 6 in the second half. This has been the calling card this year, a very noticeable uh, change from last year where Montana has been really dominant in the second half of games in the main throughout the course of the season. But they were down early. They give up 17 points to Portland State in the second quarter of that game, end up going down 17 14. Let's start with uh, just some sound. Uh, shall we from this uh, from from the press conference earlier today? Bobby Houck just giving his general uh outlook and his general thoughts about this football game and uh, uh about his quarterback situation, giving a a little bit of an update on Dalton. Sneed. We'll get that uh, loaded up for you here in a moment. We'll get that out to you, but Coulter. When you looked at this game, you saw kind of how this thing played out. Portland State's a pretty good team. I mean, they they have some some talent as well. All right, let's jump into the sound. We'll do that, and then we'll get to the to the game itself. Here you go, Bobby. Out.
3: In regard to the Portland State game, it was a great job by our guys. Uh, <clears throat> I thought it was a great team effort, and uh, physically we got after them. And and uh, you know, I I, I thought that. Uh, Maybe at times during that game, we could have gotten away from them a little bit more, but uh, that's not important. The important thing is to get one more point than, than they have, and, and we did it. We had a few too many self, self-inflicted wounds to make that happen, but you know our guys hung in there. Uh, we had some guys trying to do more than their 111th, and, and that uh, didn't uh, work out very well for us the first half, and then we got after them. So pleased to get a nice win. It's fun to see Grizz Nation there. Three quarters of that crowd was wearing maroon which, or more which was fun so good team win great mental toughness when things weren't going well for us and and right now we're, we're kind of on a roll and we'd like to keep it going um, In terms of Snead, Dalton wanted to play last weekend um, he warm, went out warmed up. We didn't think it was in his best interest and didn't think he was ready so we didn't let him play uh, We'll see this week how it goes
1: So there you go, Bobby Howe, kind of given his overall review. I thought it was interesting that he kind of called his team out a little bit there in the first half, said some guys were trying to do more than what they were supposed to do, and that's why we were there, but also felt like... This is a game that that we could have and maybe even should have handled even easier than than they ended up doing that. Uh, okay, but 38-23 at the end of the day was a convincing win, and they got after David Davis Alexander, the Portland State quarterback. I mean, I think everybody has seen, watched this game and paid attention to it. The the, the big big hit down the stretch uh, from Dante Olson on Davis Alexander, but that was just one of a a number. And I'll tell you what. Uh, my hat's off to that kid who just kept getting up off the mat every single time because Montana got after him and and, and just in general in a way that I don't know if I've seen yet this season out of this group. They certainly uh, uh, keyed in on that. And also, offensively, they had the game plan dialed in. We'll hear from the, uh, a little bit more on this, but Cam Humphrey, an absolutely, you know, Sterling Day uh, in uh, in Hillsboro, Oregon, as well as uh, Samari Torre seven for one hundred and forty and three for the homecoming for Samari Torre. I mean, tough to do better than that. And again, Cam Humphrey twenty-one of twenty-eight for three thirty-five, four touchdowns, no picks. I mean, you just you just couldn't be more efficient—a seventy-five percent completion percentage and on twenty-one completions, you go for three thirty-five. Those are impressive numbers all the way around, and that flex defense. It was outdone by the Montana offense and their coaching staff Saturday.
0: Everybody always asks Montana about the adjustments. Why are you guys so much better in the second half? What do you change? And I think the answer to that question is nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why they've been so good. They are just relentless in the way that they come after people. If ever, the, the 111th is a cliche, but it's so important for what Montana does on defense. And they have such tremendous individual talent, especially in the ability... The the open field tackling abilities of Dante Olsen and Robbie Hauk let Montana run the scheme that they run. And if you do have somebody trying to do too much, though, or trying to do something different than what their responsibility is, that's where you can find holes in the scheme because it is organized chaos. Yeah. But when they stick with it and they play with their hair on fire, they light people up and they lit Portland State up. I wish that like quarterback hits and quarterback hurries were a more accurately kept stat. Yeah. Jace Lewis got credited for one quarterback hit and three sacks. He had, like, um, I mean, he seriously had 10 or 12 quarterback hits. Yeah. Every time he came on pressure, you could tell they found something, a weakness. Uh, the blitzing up the middle, was just, they were just killing him. The zero-gap blitz that they were using, old, or using Jace Lewis on, they were just killing Portland State with, which is a testament to the Grizz for both their effort and execution because Portland State's good up front. I mean, their interior offensive linemen in the middle are, they got yeah, two seniors and a junior who are all multiple-year starters. So, I mean, they're supposed to be good. And they also rendered Portland State's rush game irrelevant. I mean, Portland State ran for, I mean, what, 43 yards, 1.5 yards per carry? So they, I mean, they did whatever they wanted in terms of dictating it. And Davis Alexander's a good player. He's a good quarterback. Yes, he is. But when you're a a run-first team like Portland State and they force you into throwing the ball like that, then they can just absolutely tee off. That's what I saw. And then on the other side... Montana never let Portland State's flex defense get that step ahead that they need to be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Instead, they just put those islands on a corner, uh, those corners on an island. Excuse
1: me, and just shredded them. This went right after them. Uh, the physicality of this game and the wide receiver certainly stood out. Here's some more from Bobby Hauk on both of those things. Obviously, you always want to play physical, but it seemed like this game in particular, uh, your defense got after them, especially the quarterback, quite a bit. Did you notice a sort of an elevated level of, of physicality from this group on Saturday?
3: Well. I mean we played we it was a physical game um by us um but I think we have a physical football team so i don't I don't think there was anything out of the ordinary. It's kind of what i think I'm seeing every day and certainly every saturday so i I think we play a physical brand of football and and we did on Saturday.
1: When you were preparing for that defense, did you think that Samaria andor Sammy might have the type of days that they had, or is that something that just developed as the game went on?
3: Wow. Um, well, you know, some of that depends on how they decide to play. It. But if they uh, is if it played out that they were going to stay with their base stuff, then yes, absolutely.
0: So ensure your company's network is online all the time.
1: For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. Kind of an interesting comment right there. Like, Bobby, how, you know, the, 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 the flex is, hello, flexible okay but there is some certain themes that run to it in its base formation and some principles that you run and what they do and if they chose to stay with that then that is exploitable by this offense and that is exactly what they did and I mean, Samari Torrey, what, a 42-yard touchdown, a 46-yard touchdown. He also had a, a, a short little six-yarder in there, but was as good as, as it could be. And then, obviously, Sammy Akem getting loose on the one big 76-yarder. Uh, it's It's just chunk play, big play stuff where if you get confused by it, you can turn the ball over, you can end up behind the sticks, and you can be in trouble. If you know what's coming or you can find... Where the places are vacated, as we talked about last week, it is susceptible to big plays. And Montana got several massive plays. And if you're if you're breaking off between forty and seventy yard touchdowns multiple times in a game, I mean, doesn't take a it doesn't take you know Vince Lombardi in here to tell you that you're probably in a good situation to win the football game.
0: What Houck said there too is so true. You got to see how they're going to play you. The, t- the second touchdown to Samari Torrey, his second of three touchdowns, and then the long one to Samia Kim. Mm-hmm. There was no read. There was no nothing. It was snapped the ball to Cam Humphrey. Cam Humphrey doesn't look at anybody, doesn't make any read, doesn't look off any safety, just chucks the ball as far as he can. Touchdown. Both times. Which, to me, Portland State was tipping their hand pre-snap on what they were doing. And if they saw press man coverage on the outside, I dare you to guard me. Right. Boom. Go. Throw it. Run. Catch it. Gone. And uh, Montana got back to when they were at their absolute peak of that hot streak before Dalton Steve got hurt. They were at their best when, when one, they were dictating the tempo, and, two, they were just out-athleting people on both sides of the ball. And that's exactly what I saw on Saturday. Just give the ball to your dudes and say, our dudes are better than your dudes. Stop us. And, And that's exactly what they did. And I thought it was a cool moment for Samari Torre, too. I mean, Torre is from Portland, there was a narrative going in the game that he didn't get recruited by Portland State. When he was getting recruited, I remember him getting recruited by Portland State. So maybe that's just something that he misremembered or whatever. But regardless...
1: Certainly that he didn't get recruited by Oregon was part of when the Grizz went to play Eugene. No doubt. And so that was...
0: Regardless, So Torrey played like he did not get recruited by Portland State. And he mm. played like he wanted to show off in front of his family and friends that were there. There's lots of family and friends for everybody from the Grizz there. I mean, that was Portland yes. State's biggest crowd of the year, and it was by far all Grizz fans. They, I mean, I had a buddy that was in the stands who lives out in uh Portland and he he's a Grizz alum and he was sending me pictures. He said, Man, there's no Portland State people here. Yep. He <laughs> said, This is all Grizz people. I think so. it was
1: sixty sixty
0: two hundred about 6,180
1: Um yeah. and uh and Bobby Houck's estimate today was seventy five percent or more in uh maroon and silver. And that's not, you know, that's not overly surprising. And hey, how about some sunshine? Must be nice to go to Portland, Oregon in November and be bathed in sun. Uh, Speaking of Samari Torre, he did have the big day. It was a homecoming for him. Here he is. Uh, No, like Coach said, we're all very confident in Cam and You know, him going out there and performing like that was no surprise to anyone on the inside because we
0: all know how hard Cam works, and you know every year he's been preparing like he's going to be the starter. You know whether he starts or not. So Saturday was just him showing uh, all the work he's put in throughout the season.
1: Was it fun for you to have obviously the day you had, but doing it in Portland and and your hometown, home area to do it there?
0: Oh yeah, of course. You know, any any anywhere we can get a win is going to be good. But yeah, I guess it was a little. uh, It was fun to show out in front of my. My, uh,
1: family and friends. Yes. Well, he certainly did show out. There's no doubt about that. By the way, the opening question, obviously about Cam Humphrey and adjusting to play with a, uh, you know, the backup quarterback. How much was there? And the answer is, well, not very much. Just go out there. You trust in what he's doing. Trust in what you're doing, and, and go play ball. Cam hum- is a different, two different games. Okay, from last last week to this past Saturday for Cam Humphrey, two different defenses that he's facing, and this one created a scenario in which he was able to be more successful. Remember though, this same defense completely flustered Dalton City. He probably had his worst game as a Grizz against this very Portland State team and this Flex defense last year. So I put a lot of this on the coaches in terms of their better being prepared for what they were going to see on the field and dealing with it uh, and and getting their quarterback ready to go. But I also felt it just looked to me like Cam Humphrey was just far more comfortable in this game. Like he was prepared to go back there and put the ball where he needed to. And just having that game experience, man, you just know what you're going out there, what, what it's like to be out there on a Saturday afternoon. And I think that these, uh, you know, opportunities, especially when they come into victories for Montana is huge for the Montana Grizzlies next year. If Cam Humphrey turns out to be, you know, the starter for, for his senior season, which, you know, is the presumptive, progression of that. Now, of course, anything can happen, but uh, I think that's good for Montana, then, to get two wins and get your guy out there ready to go. Bobby Houck, obviously, again, you, you heard him say it, The they didn't feel that Dalton Sneed was ready to go. Sneed was out there, fully dressed out, warmed up with the team, and not even... Not even you know, the guys calling the game knew who was going to actually walk out there under center at the time that Montana took their first offensive possession. So, uh, you know, playing your cards close to the vest, you continue to be very vague about this stuff that's going to be par for the course. And you know when you're going to find out if Dalton Snead's ready to go? At one o'clock on Saturday afternoon until he's out there, you know? And that's when that's when you're going to find out the truth about Dalton Snead's availability or not. But in the meantime, uh, Cam Humphrey not just statistically, but, he, but eye test as well. I thought was very comfortable, looked really good to me.
0: Montana also got back to being, I guess what I'm getting at, they, they proved that they could be ultra-aggressive with Cam Humphrey in the game. I thought that Montana was con- more conservative on both sides of the ball. I thought their most conservative game of the season was against Eastern Washington mm-hmm. on both sides of the football. And... I think a little bit of it was scheme. Eastern Washington was really dead set on not letting Montana's receivers get loose. But then Montana answered, and for the first time in a long time, ran the ball down somebody's throat. And on the other side, I think that Montana was a little bit more conservative to try to remain in that middle lane with Cam Humphrey on offense, but also because Eric Berrier can just light you up so much if he gets out on the edge and if you have busted coverage or, or you're out of your gap or you got a bad blitz. So I think a lot of it, was, it was a combination of a lot of different things, but I also thought it was just a combination of the coaches having a lot of confidence in Cam Humphrey to operate, right. too. As a preview, honestly, of of, of next year for Grizz fans. Maybe, because, yeah. I mean, there's no Gabe Solcer, again. His status remains unknown. But besides that, don't see Jerry Lee McGee, calling Bingham. Those are the three guys you're going to lose. But you got pretty... Pretty good replacements in Sulcer and Mitch Roberts, in Bryson Deming and Matt Rensvold, and now I think the people can have confidence so they got a pretty darn good
1: replacement in Cam Humphrey as well. For yeah, Steve. no, no doubt. I mean, it was impressive. The one other thing I wanted to touch on: huge play by Sammy Akem. The celebration got the better of him. He goes out there, he's jumping around, and I was, I, I honestly was like, oh no, because we we saw this, we've seen this before. Of guys that have gone down Delaney two years ago, jumping up to you know give his buddy a high five or whatever the same and he tears his ACL it's it career over uh Sammy Kim was back in that football game after he tweaked his knee or thigh or whatever it was uh, which is obviously good news for Montana fans but uh you know. Be careful out there when you're celebrating, I guess is is the thing. Two tell Nijuana's one hundred two nine ESPN radio. It's the Montana football hour is presented by Lithia Ford of Missoula. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Montana State. They got back in a big way, a 42-7 victory over Southern Utah. We'll take a look at this game. We will hear from Jeff Choate, uh, the head coach of the Bobcats, and uh, and discuss with Coulter what he saw in person on Saturday afternoon in Bozeman. Hey, the Silver Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty beverages, and their urge to have a good time. Whether you're looking for an affordable family meal or a late night game of poker, the Silver Slipper has what you are looking for. Right now, Silver Slipper is your football headquarters. They have a free shuttle to every Grizz home game, 50 six televisions in the bar to watch on drink specials every day a full liquor store tarantino's pizzeria and the friendliest friendliest staff in town silver slipper has all you need to watch all of your favorite games visit online the thesilverslipperlounge.com for more info stop by today see why the silver slipper is one of montana's best kept secrets across the street from super walmart on brooks
0: Let the wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not.
1: ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Good afternoon. Ryan Tutel, Colton Juarez. Here's some sports news for you. The collision course continues as Montana and Montana State remained in the hunt for the Big Sky Conference regular season title with crucial wins on Saturday. We went on the Grizzlies sco- went on the road and posted a convincing 38-23 win at Portland State, while Montana State scored 42 first-half points in a 40 se- 42-7 route of southern Utah in Bozeman.
0: State scored 10 points in the final two minutes of the first half to take a 17-14 lead into the break. But Samari Touré took over, putting on a show to remember in his hometown. In front of 6,191 fans, mostly clad in maroon and silver to support Montana... Torrey caught his second and third touchdown passes of the game to vault the visiting Grizzlies into the lead midway through the third quarter. Part of a career day for junior quarterback Cam Humphrey, who threw for 335 yards and four touchdowns, as Montana won the second half 40, excuse me, 24-6 to move to 4-1 in league play, 7-2 overall.
1: Montana State snapped its two-game losing streak with an offensive explosion previously unseen this season. The Bobcats piled up 21 points in the first 10 minutes of the game and led by three touchdowns before Southern Utah had even run 10 plays. The onslaught continued as the Bobcats turned turnovers into points in the second quarter to take a 42-0 halftime lead. They're now 3-2 in the league, 6-3 overall. The Grizz are number six in the nation, MSU number 12.
3: This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound.
1: What have we learned? A lot? A little? Let's discuss. It's 2TEL and 1 102.9 ESPN Radio. It is the Montana Football Hour, presented by Lithia Ford of Missoula. We are broadcasting live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway, in Missoula Highway 83 in Celia and online at kurtzpolaris.com. Top of the hour... Owner and general manager of the Missoula Paddleheads going to be in here talking about the new name and the new logos and the entire switchover from the Osprey to the Paddleheads. Uh, And so uh, stick around for that. That's been a a major piece of news and interest to folks around the community, around Western Montana and baseball fans in general across the state. So we will uh, hear from the people themselves. Uh, here today. I uh, also want to remind everybody uh, we are giving away tickets to the Montana Idaho football game, the battle for the Little Brown Stein. We're going to do it on the social medias at 1029 ESPN on Twitter and on Instagram. We'll tell you how you can win throughout the course of the week, but you go follow along there and you will uh, be apprised of it as it happens. Uh, so I want to make sure that you get that. And it is the week of the giveaway of the Keg and Keggerator, a Keggerator from Fred's appliance and a keg from our friends at Great Burn Brewing. We're giving it away. Been doing the word of the day for a couple weeks. Friday, we're giving this thing away. You're going to get another opportunity today to register, so make sure you stick around get the word of the day and text that in 200-8184 when we give it to you. Coulter, you were in Bozeman. Uh, this was over early in uh, Bobcat Stadium on Saturday. As you said, I mean, 21-0 in the first 10 minutes of the game, and a wide receiver pass back to the quarterback to Tucker Rovig with under a minute left in the first half, sealed up the first half 42 points that Montana state put on the board against Southern Utah. Uh, And they, they, kind of shut it down in the second half, played, obviously, a lot of backups, wanted to make sure that uh, some guys stayed healthy and uh, got a 42-7 win. Let's just hear from Jeff Choate initially on the win over Southern Utah.
4: You know, obviously, tip of the hat to Kane and our defensive staff, put together a great plan, Uh, got to the quarterback at the end of the first half. That obviously changes the game tremendously when you're playing your second-string quarterback and eventually your third-string quarterback. I thought that uh, Southern Utah showed a lot of fight in the second half defensively, and, um, you know, that was... uh, it was an interesting way to start the game. I mean, I didn't really see us, you know, having that kind of an outpouring of of scoring in the first half, and certainly created some momentum for ourselves with some takeaways. I thought our defense, you know, regardless of the situation, really until kind of the end of the game, when we had some young guys in, really stood tall, and so i was very proud of them.
1: So uh, there you go, a kind of a general overview. Obviously, the defense. Uh, the seven points came, you know, late in this football game. As, as, as it, it was Coach against Joe the
0: fourth string, mentioned games. it was over, against exactly. guys that I've never seen play in games.
1: So that 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 was that. There's two sides to this thing, or there's two parts to this. Montana State has been uh, bad offensively in their last two games that they've played. Okay, they needed a game to come out, score some points, feel better about themselves. They did that and more. Even even Coach Show say I didn't really expect that we would come out and do what we actually did offensively. Well I mean they were up
0: twenty one nothing when Southern Utah had run seven plays. Right. Seven. I mean Southern Utah went three and out. Montana State scored. They actually they traded punts. Yeah. And then Montana State scored. Southern Utah Turn the ball over on the second play. Montana State scored again. So Utah turned it over on the second play. Montana State scored again. So, I mean, you're up 21-0. The other team has run seven offensive plays. At that point, we're already a downtrodden team that's on the road that is missing so many of your best players, and you're playing against a team that's trying to get itself right, and that team is just pulling out every stop to make sure they get right. The game was truly over by the end of the first quarter, and but when Montana State punched in their fourth touchdown on the first drive of the second quarter, then it was really, really over. They, yeah. they, I mean, they at that moment when they went up twenty-one nothing two minutes into the second quarter, they shut down Travis Johnson. He was out for the rest of the game. They shut down Logan Jones.
1: Twenty-eight nothing.
0: Twenty-eight nothing. Yeah. And yeah. they, sh- I mean, they they took out a lot of their veteran. I mean, Bryce Sturckard they had to play. Derek hard they had to play. Right. And I don't know. I, this entire game to me in terms of analysis, is a, a, a two-part story. It's a double-edged sword. Because on one hand, Montana State played with renewed enthusiasm and vigor. Southern Utah sucks. Southern Utah is the worst team I've seen in the Big Sky Conference in a long time. They have no dudes. All the dudes that they're supposed to have are I mean, out. We,
1: we talked to Brandon Fisher last week, the defensive coordinator, uh, former you know Montana linebacker, uh, who's there now, and he was very frank. He's like, look, you know, we're missing... Three starting linebackers, or starting safety, and and best and corner, best corner, and even by the way, now he didn't say this. I'm saying this. Even if those guys are available, they're still not in the top half of defenses. But then when you take away those guys, I mean, this was this was a almost unwatchable game just because it was it's so obvious how bad Southern Utah is and how much better Montana State is than they are. Montana State did exactly what they needed to do. But it's hard to see. We I said last totally. week, Colter, we're not going to know anything about Montana State until at most the UC Davis game totally. two weeks from now because they got Southern Utah and Northern Colorado, and 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 like in on, on one hand for Montana State, yes, you did what you absolutely had to do, and and they good for you, like you did it. But it doesn't really matter. This is an awful team that you should beat forty two to seven.
0: Montana State's defensive line played with a, a higher motor and better effort than they have all year. They dominated. The, they have been really good, but they dominated at the level we expected them to yeah. dominate at. Yeah. Bryce Dirk, two tackles for loss before he takes a seat. Troy Anderson, three tackles for loss. Lamondre Williams, three tackles for loss. Zach Larson is still Utah's best player far and away, their center. He's a two time first team All American. Both of his older brothers play in the NFL. Zach Larson's going to play in the NFL too. Chase Benson, Destroyed him. It was Chase Benson's best game. If you were to compare, like the one-on-one matchup, Chase Benson took the number one center in the Big Sky Conference. I mean, he's a first-team All-American. He's he is presumably the best center in the country, and Chase Benson annihilated him. Mm-hmm. All that said, though, on the other side, Southern Utah starting four freshmen on their offensive line around Zach Larson, so Utah had no momentum, and so I guess to me the number one piece of analysis I can bring out of this, I, I guess it's twofold. First of all. You can only play the team that's on your schedule, and Southern Utah's bad. But you you, you destroyed them, and, and you destroyed them to the fact that it was so efficient that you got to take a lot of guys out of the game, and yeah. that's what Montana State needed. They didn't yes, they need did. Isaiah Fonseca, they didn't need Logan Jones. They don't. I mean, Derek Marks has played a million snaps. He doesn't come right. out of the game, so to get him some extra rest, that's a good thing. So, so they took care of business when they needed to. They needed to get right. But on the other hand, I think it was just another reflective example for montana state they need to look in the mirror and ask themselves why why do we play better either when we're playing a team we know we're going to beat or when our backs are against the wall why can't they play like their backs are against the wall and with that level of enthusiasm and dominant effort mm-hmm. against everybody right and the thing is they can because they've done it against the Grizz three years in a row. So what's this whole, like, we're going to crawl in a hole and, like, let the self-fulfilling prophecy of how tough the trip to Grand Forks, North Dakota, is going to be, like, what is that? Why, why are you prophesizing the fact that you're going to not play well against Western Illinois and then go not play well against a terrible team? That's stupid. Why are you doing that? I, if they could just figure out a way to have the confidence to channel – All the elements of what we saw on Saturday, Mm -hmm. aside from the opponent, the creativity on offense, the confidence that Tucker Rovick played with, the effort that the defense at all three levels played with. Figure out a way to channel it. And, And who's to say that they maybe can't? That's the other interesting factor of this Montana State team is that they have played with that enthusiasm in the month of November. It just always takes them playing not good in the month of October to get to this
1: point. I mean, when they put it all together, they are as dangerous as anybody.
0: Because they have so many dudes, man. Like we've almost forgot about Amandre Williams, and then he goes out and has a pick, a forced fumble, three tackles for loss, and a sack on Saturday in half of uh, half of football. You know, yeah. We we almost overlook him, and he's and he's a dude. I mean, they they have so much talent. It's just it's weird that that. I guess it's not weird. They are the team that puts on
1: full display more than any other team in the league how much of football is mental. They uh, you you mentioned the creativity on offense. Let's hear Jeff Cho talk about that very thing.
4: Yeah, I think that was that was part of the, the idea. I mean, I think there's still obviously some things that we can improve upon um, and getting into some better plays. And, uh, you know, we got very conservative in the second half by design, trying to get out of there. We had some guys that got nicked up a little bit and wanted to uh, make sure that we didn't have any further injuries. But, uh, you know, I thought that playing aggressive, playing to win, you know, calling the game, to put the pressure on the defense. I thought he did a nice job of that. I think our communication, especially in the first half, on some sudden change situations, was much better with him on the field as well. Why, why did you want to maybe mix up some of those, the personnel? Uh, you know, that was getting involved offensively. Well, I think it's kind of that time of the year where we've got some guys with some injuries. You know, Travis wasn't 100 percent healthy coming into this game, and that dictated having Jaden Smith up um, at the slot receiver spot. You know, we've had. Kind of, you know, Willie goes down, then Coy went down for a couple weeks, and then we had, uh, you know, even even um, uh, Mark Estes, who played a significant role last week, but he's been kind of nursing a hamstring, and so that created an opportunity for Tyrone Marshall in the slot, and uh, it was it was nice to see the tight ends get a touchdown catch. It's been a while since we've done that,
1: so that was awesome. So there you go, Jeff Cho talking about the creativity on offense, and they, they needed to score points. They had to figure out how they're going to do it, and they kind of pulled out all the stops to do it. And they did what they needed to do. They also put a lot of stuff on tape in this football game culture that m- whether they needed to or not, I guess, is kind of an open conversation. Like I you don't said, know what
0: they've been saving it for. I mean, they ran like 11 or 12 places that I've never seen them run. Right, right.
1: And But, but they also like didn't need them. That said, they did get out of that hugely. The like, the thing you said it was just the ability to get guys out and just sit down. Hey, take take a half take three quarters of football off it's a it's a it's a live practice that you ran for 15 20 minutes and you know load up and go down to Greeley next week uh going up 21 nothing though it does change the complexion of a game when all of a sudden you realize yeah we are firmly in control and that ain't gonna change here's Jeff Cho talking about how that changed the game for him
4: it changed the game clearly and uh you know, made things a little less consequential perhaps in the second half, allowed us to be a little bit more conservative, rest some guys. And so that was uh, very refreshing. I think uh, one of the things we talked about coming out of this game was that we wanted to be the most excited team to play when we took the field on Saturday. And I think our energy was very good uh, from the jump. And so that, uh, that definitely that momentum carried through and we made some plays.
1: They certainly did. Uh, they, made, they made plays. And again, it, it, I just sit here and I say, okay, like they, they played well. They played really well in this football game. They also played an awful team. On to Northern Colorado, where something like this should happen. Northern Colorado probably better than Southern Utah. They certainly have, uh, you know, a, a better quarterback, and they, you know, whatever. But they, they, they're not a good football team. Northern Colorado. They're not good. And so, I'm not saying it's going to be 42 points in the first half, but this is a game that Montana State should dominate. They should win going away against the Northern Colorado Bears on Saturday as well. And if they do, we're going to have this exact same conversation a week from today on the Montana Football Hour where we say, okay, but now what are you really when you go to UC Davis and you play a good team on the road? And then obviously, it's the Gakras game after that. So, uh, you know... I don't know. I don't. I don't have analysis for this. This game doesn't mean anything to me. It's what they had to do, and they did it. It's just a brute fact. But it's not. There isn't stuff to take away from this, other than the possibility of getting more healthy, of getting healthier than than you maybe otherwise have been if it had been a close game. So, so that is the main takeaway of this for me.
0: Well, I'm just trying to get back to getting hot. I mean, if you can be hot going to UC Davis, if you're. They have revitalized confidence. I think this team lost their confidence a little bit coming out of Sac State. And I think they dwelled on it instead of fixing it during the bye. And then they looked flat and terrible against North, North Dakota.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If they could get back to that the swagger that they were playing with, like, for example, when they just ran the ball down Northern Arizona's throat to come back from a huge deficit... I mean, the thing is, this team has been all over the place. They're, they are a very volatile team. And, and you just have to wonder how much of that is just attitude reflects leadership. I mean, there's a lot of volatility within the scope of their program. And uh, the thing you could say about Saturday is there was not a lot of volatility. It was just a straight butt-whipping. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, regardless of who you play, I mean, the, the, Idaho State's obviously terrible. Idaho State lost, again, this last week to Northern Colorado. Idaho State has some players, and Southern Utah has way less players than Idaho State. And Southern Utah scored fifty nine points on Idaho State. I know it's not transitive properties and, and whatever. I mean, yeah. but the fact of the matter is, Southern Utah was coming off their best game in two years, and Montana State straight flattened them and let them do nothing. They didn't even breathe. I mean, it was it was a it was the most boring game I've ever watched in my career in the second half. I mean, yeah. I was straight up like trying to stay awake, chugging coffee because there was nothing to do. All I was r- observing. was, was the the players from Montana State that hadn't ever gotten into games and just marking down, oh, man, this is this guy's first playing time,
1: not in the last two minutes of at the first quarter. At least there was coffee. You know, that's nice. Uh, no doubt. Uh, it's 2TEL ones, 102.9 ESPN Radio. It is the Montana Football Hour. Take a quick break. Come back, and we will overlay these two teams, the quarterback situation in uh, Montana we will look at a little bit further. What do we expect? from them, from that spot going forward, and is a change, do you, you slow play it in any way? It's 2TEL 102.9 ESPN Radio, the Montana Football Hour, presented by Lithia Ford of Missoula. Right now, you get 0% for 72 months on the 2019 Ford F-150 at Lithia Ford. The Ford F-150 makes tough tasks look easy, whether it's working on the job or heading out on a weekend of recreation. Also, check out the brand-new Ranger, Tested under more extreme conditions than you would likely ever encounter, set a date for your next adventer, adventure. Your ranger is ready to get you there. Lithia Ford across from Super Walmart on Brooks. They have a huge inventory of new and used cars and trucks. Visit LithiaFordMissoula.com for more information. Search new and used inventory there with financing specials and get yourself into a Lithia Ford today. Lithia Ford is an official sponsor of the Montana Grizzlies and 2 Nuana's Montana Football Hour. I thought he did have an objectively outstanding day, a huge day uh, against Portland State. It was a defense that Bobby as he alluded to in his press conference, if they were going to stay in what they were running, we knew the wide receivers were going to have a big day, and ergo, Cam Humphrey was going to have a big day, 21-28 for 335 and four touchdowns uh, on the afternoon. Does Montana... Does this afford Montana the ability to slow play the return of Dalton Sneed? There's no question they want Dalton Sneed back. Dalton Sneed has, you know, is the senior. He's been the, the captain, and he is an outstanding player. And and he's just he's better if for no other reason than experience than than Cam Humphrey is at this point. But also— Why, And he's just better. I mean, it's not he's, demeaning to Cam Humphrey. Cam Humphrey's really good. He's one of the best players in the country. Yes, he is. But also, I guess my question is, when you, when you see what Cam Humphrey does on Saturday and you see how the team has responded with him as a quarterback, does this allow you the ability to say, hey, can't, Dalton Sneed, you're at 85%. We're going to wait another week for you to bring you back in. Or do you say, I, I've always said that the mentality of both Dalton Sneed and of Bobby Houck is dictate that if he can go, he is going. If you read between the lines of what Bobby House said, he said we didn't feel like it was, as he said, smart to play him or that he was quite ready to go, so we held him out. But he was there, like he was available. If Cam Humphrey goes down, it's not clear to me that Dalton Snead doesn't come in as in a in a backup scenario. And so, if that is the case, if you are dressed up and able to play. Now, maybe it's a ruse. Maybe there was no chance he was going to play, but let's put the pads on him, run him out there, and let Bruce Barnum try and figure it out, you know, pregame, what's going to happen. All I'm saying is, does does this expand the time frame that you think that is a, uh, available to Montana to return Dalton Seed to the lineup? We could do a really
0: long segment about this. Let's we, do a short one. We, we touched on this Last week, I can't remember what we were talking about. Oh, we were talking about, tr- with Carolyn, we were talking about Trent Williams from the Redskins mm. having a, a tumor on his head not diagnosed for five years. And I was going on a rant about how it's assumed that training staffs and doctors for in-house are are all just flawless, and they're just not. And some, even pro teams, have awful training staffs. And it's why a lot of teams are really injury-prone, and it's something that players are starting to learn more about What I'm getting at is I think there's a lot of player empowerment and a lot of player uh, where they're allowed to make the choice based on pain and stuff like that themselves. Montana's head trainer, J.C. Voida, is outstanding. He's excellent. He's been there for decades, and he's getting inducted into the National Trainers Hall of Fame. I mean, he's he's top 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 notch and every player would tell you they love him they love jc he's and he's he's always done the right thing when it comes to that and i think that's what it comes down to in this case because i do think that donce is a wild mustang he's going to play if you want him if he wants to play if yeah. he if it's up to him he's going to want to play right. And i think that's where you have to have the honest conversation and and coach How has said this without really saying it I mean, he said, we didn't think it was in his best interest, which means that JC and him had a real conversation saying, hey, you know, the the kid probably could play. It's probably not the best thing for him to play. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was the little back and forth when Jeff Choate was talking about Troy Anderson has the same injury as Dalton Mm Snead. Troy Anderson hasn't missed a game. And Bobby Houck shot back and basically said, if if our guys are not fit to play, we're not going to play them because that's just not the right thing to do. I think that that's a great, it's a revelation between not necessarily the quality of the training staffs at the two schools, but the communication and the empowerment that the players have. I think what it comes down to is that at Montana, what Coach Alk is saying is that the training staff has the final word, which I think is the correct way to do it. Because I think a lot of times, if you give the kid the final word, if they're a hyper competitive kid, they're going to choose to play. And a lot of times that's not the greatest thing for them in terms of their long-term health. So as far as slow and the thing, I'm not sure. I, I, I think that Dalton Sneed... Will certainly be back in the lineup when the Montana training staff clears him to play, mm-hmm. and I don't think that that will be this week. But I could, but maybe he heals quickly. I'm not sure, but I think that last week was smoke and mirrors. I think they were just trying to play mind games. I I didn't think there was any chance
1: that he was going to play last week. Uh, this is uh, an interesting deal, though, because it is Idaho for the Grizzlies, and it's a, a rivalry game, and it is probably second only to. Montana State, in terms of teams that uh, have their names circled on the schedule for for uh, the Grizzlies, and so does that. You know, is is any if it is only. You know, we all want to believe, right, that it's explicitly and only about the health of the kid and is he good and is he able to go. But there are certainly games where you know you want to get out there. Tua Tagovailoa right now is playing for alabama who has no idea what it feels like to be the number two team in the nation shocking that they are and they're going up against number one lsu and you know that he wants to be out there does that bend the rules or the 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 timeline or whatever on him being out there because of who the opponent is and i'm not saying it's you know it shouldn't i'm just saying it's 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 worth noting it ain't Southern Utah that Montana's playing on Saturday. It's the Idaho Vandals. And you know that they want to get every piece of Idaho that they possibly can with everybody that they possibly can. So, you know, more on that as the week goes on. By the way, Bobby Houck did mention earlier today in his press conference the, uh, uh, the nature of this rivalry a little bit and how it's sort of been a little weird to play teams, especially Eastern Washington, who... Half the team, half the guys on his team hadn't even seen on the field before two weeks ago when they played. And Idaho, obviously, they have seen once, but they're new to the league again, and how does that go? Because Bobby Houck, Paul Petrino, they're well aware of the rivalry. They know what's going on there. But uh, a lot of the kids at the field hmm? tried to get used to it last year, and now it's a new thing.
0: You mentioned Montana State not being able to beat anybody if they throw the ball more than 20 times except Southern Utah, but I do think this. I think that although Southern Utah, again, is not good, Tucker Rovick made two throws on Saturday that had almost nothing to do with the defense and almost everything to do with his actual operation at quarterback, and it was a huge stride. They ran uh, basically like a combo route where the tight end runs like an up-and-out seam up the hash, and Rovig checked off with his eyes underneath and then threw on a rope in between zone coverage, and it was a dart, and it was a 23-yard gain. And it, everybody in the press box kind of looked at each other like, well, why doesn't he always do that? That was a great throw. <laughs> Where's that been? Because earlier in the game, like, he sailed his first pass 10 feet over the head, and then he threw a screen pass in the dirt, and it was like, oh, here we go again. You know, even against Southern Utah, Rovig's not going to be able to hack it. And then he made that throw. And then he was off and running, and like the, it, yeah, his bomb down the field, the, the forty-seven yard touchdown. Yeah, it looked like busted coverage, but he made the coverage busted because you could see if you watch that play pre-snap, he stares down the safety the whole time and tricks him with his eyes. The safety breaks, and then the corner comes underneath, and boom, touchdown. Forty-seven. Yards. Smith
1: in, in stride. It was it was a great throw.
0: Here's it seems so simple, but when you've never done it before. Then you're freaking out if you can do it, and now he actually has done it. And it doesn't matter if it's against a bad team; it's against a real team that's not yourself. And it's the first time he's ever done it in a game. It's so worth- sometimes you gotta just give credit where credit due because he has been not good, and he he was much better. Even that's why you gotta throw the stats out, right? He didn't throw for as many yards as he did against Sacramento State. He played way better. It was his best game of the year.
1: Here's the thing: is that the the Tucker Rovick deal has never really been about his ability. Like, <laughs> let me say the difference. He about his he can throw a great ball, and he can throw a great ball in a game. He can throw a seed down the seam, split coverage, do all that stuff. I don't know enough about you know him in the position, and all that to talk about him looking off defenders, getting guys to go the wrong direction, moving the secondary around, and all that kind of stuff. But if you sit there and you watch him either in practice or even in a game from time to time, it's great. He you go oh yeah, of course he's the quarterback, and you should be throwing the football, and then you watch him. Put it into the toes of a in a flat of a five yard bubble screen, and you go, "What in the world is going on here? How is that possible?"
0: It, it, and I think that part of this is maybe Jeff Cho making excuses, but part of it's also him protecting his guy. And like right. Cho said today, and Tucker Rovick is on you know what career start number eight or ten. It's not like Case Cookus who started 40 games, you know? Like, Jacob nip has been in college for six years. Right. Kevin Thompson's been in college for six years. Case Cooks has been in college for six years. Tucker Roving's been playing quarterback at the college level for two games last year right. and six games this year. And, you know, it is a little bit of a cop-out. But also, a high-profile program, you want the starter to be good right away. And I think that he's just starting way sooner than you probably would have liked. But it, it was a step in the right direction.
1: Hour number one in the books. It's the Montana Football Hour. It's presented by Lithia Ford of Missoula. Up next, Peter Davis, Matt Ellis. Two... Head guys over at the Missoula Now, Missoula Paddleheads, formerly Missoula Osprey, the big reveal today. We'll talk to them about that, what's gone into the process, why they chose that name, these marks, and and everything else. Uh, and you know, your feedback as well, potentially, three two nine one eight nine nine if you'd like to. Uh, so they will be with us in studio right after this. Hey, at the Silver Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty beverages, and their urge to have a good time. Whether you're looking for an affordable family meal or a light, late night game of poker, the Silver Slipper has what you're looking for. Right now, Silver Slipper is your football headquarters with a free shovel, shuttle to every home Grizz game, 56 televisions to watch sports on, drink specials every single day, a full liquor store, Tarantino's Pizzeria, and the friendliest staff in town. Silver Slipper has all you need to watch your favorite games. Visit the silverslipperlounge.com online for more in- info and stop by today to see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best kept secrets across the street from Super Walmart on Brooks.